sufficient time. We'll just we'll just add a blank space in here for the next uh, hour and fifteen minutes so people can <laughs> listen to your song. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. My song, yeah. It, it, you could you could get the gist of the my song suggestion in probably a minute, uh, but uh, if you're really dedicated, you could take the whole uh, hour hour plus. Uh, so my submission was one that I actually, it came to mind during the recording of our last episode. Uh, so it, it just immediately popped in my mind as, as one to, to talk about. Um, the artist is Brian Eno. Uh, he is one of those guys that everybody in music will have heard of, but a lot of most people outside of music might not have heard of. He actually started his career as one of the founding members of Roxy Music, mm -hmm. which, uh, you know, kind of went on to be uh, one of the key uh, influencing bands in the whole, a lot of the 80s uh, and 90s um, stuff. But New Wave, et cetera, was kind of loosely based on Roxy Music's stuff. He was not uh, and wouldn't even consider himself... Uh, to be a really a musician or a, a solid musician anyway. In Roxy music, he actually didn't even, uh, he didn't even know how to play anything when he joined uh, the band. Um, mm. And he learned kind of the synthesizer, et cetera. He, he, he became more popular as a, really as a producer. Um, and he's produced some people that we may have heard of like uh, David Bowie, he produced Low, Heroes, um, Lodger. Uh, he produced, you know, five or six of the key Bowie, early Bowie uh, albums. He produced The Talking Heads. Uh, and then because all roads, as we said, uh, eventually lead back to U2, <laughs> he, he produced uh, Joshua Tree is when he, I think, got his first connection in with U2. Uh, and then he went on to do, yeah, Unforgettable Fire, Octum Baby, Zuropa, uh, All That You Can't Leave Behind, No Line on the Horizon. Uh, recently, he's produced uh, Coldplay, uh, Viva La Vida, uh, and some of these other things. So he's clearly has a, but he's actually thought of mildly, a little mildly bit more talented. as like a <laughs> mildly, mildly talented, talented. <laughs> yeah. But he's thought of in these days, he's kind of thought of uh, probably more as an intellectual um, who who is also an artist. Um, so this piece and we'll get to the piece in a second. But the 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 thing that has fascinated me about him for so long is and we touched on this in the last episode a little bit is he's got a pretty uh, well-defined in his mind kind of view of the, the purpose of art. He's not a Christian. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, so he comes at it from a slightly different angle than maybe we would, but he has uh, a, a couple of views on the purpose of art. One of them is a quote here from an article. Um, and this is, this is kind of key to how he thinks about this stuff. He says, um, what I want to say is that culture or art, if you like, has an important set of functions in preparing us for the future. If you read a book like 1984, you're surrendering, and this is kind of his key 
thought. You're surrendering to a world with certain values and attributes and seeing what it feels like. Then when you see something a bit like that starting to exist, you have a way of understanding it and how that might feel. And that's, to me, where he has arrived at in terms of the purpose of art is in some regard to, he, he actually uses the word to practice uh, different aspects of life in a safe kind of almost like a simulation, if you will, right? So he's creating these little worlds and we are going into those worlds or art is doing that, going into those worlds, experiencing something not unlike, you know, n the Nick Cave's tune, right? We're experiencing these vignettes, as you called them, Barrett, of, of even though we didn't go through this, someone has gone through this, and we can relate to it, but not having gone through it ourselves. If that piece of art, if Nick Cave's uh, tune didn't exist, then in theory, we would not have experienced those those moments as he laid them out. And then we experience Jesus calling into those people's lives. And that is in, in a three and a half minute song, we got to experience life experiences. We got to experience redemption. We got to kind of, in Brian Eno's words, sort of practice all of those things mm -hmm. in that one piece. So, Oddly enough, then, you would think that the art that he produces tends to be this super deep, uh, uh, very verbose, because he's you know quite a communicator. But what instead he has produced is works like this reflection. So his idea behind this, and this is where it starts to become theological to me, is he created a piece, uh, he, he, he's actually known... In the 70s, in the late 70s, I want to say, he actually kind of coined the phrase ambient for a whole, what became a whole genre of music. And his point, we were talking about this before we started, his point on ambient is the music should be as easy to ignore as it is to listen to. Hmm. Interesting. And so what he wanted to do is he wanted to create Obviously music. <laughs> <laughs> he is. He is. Uh, he wanted to create music that uh, filled in almost like a landscape painting, but it filled in an environment and you could sort of come into it and then go out of it and then go do something and then come back to it. And it changed over time, etc. So that's what this this tune is. Um, and as we mentioned uh, before, it's it's really a set of instructions that he gave this software. Um, and each time he plays it, <clears throat> the, the tune is slightly different and it goes in different directions. So the actual recording that we've listened to is really just a capturing of one time that he actually hit the record button on this, on this piece of music. But I think, Garrick, you mentioned it. He also produced an app that is essentially always producing this music. And if you left the app running forever, it would be constantly generating a slightly different 
uh, version of this tune. Um, so that's, yeah, that's the piece. Reflection. Mm -hmm. So this one was definitely one that you guys, I'm sure when you listen to however long you could tolerate uh, to listen to it, um, this was one that you probably heard and said, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't see where this, I don't, I, I don't see a message. I don't see any of the traditional things that we associate with like meaningful music. So mm -hmm. I'm curious, what were your first kind of reactions as you, uh, as you made your way through it? So I, I, <clears throat> I admit that I didn't read your message before I clicked on it. I was driving in the car. And so I, I was driving for about 10 minutes and I was like, Surely there's going to get to some lyrics. I, I, clicked, <laughs> I clicked on the wrong link and I was just, I was like, I, Danny, Danny has a reason for this. Anyway. And then I went back and I read your message. like, Oh, there's no lyrics. Oh, okay. And then, so then I had to listen to some more and kind of put myself into it. Um, I, I want to say that either you had written or, or somewhere else, it was kind of his, well, reflection, but also a, a little bit of, what interested you was the the his reflection on creation or becoming about right. of something, right? So then, um, so then I kept listening to it, thinking of um, thinking of a scene from Light. Well, two things. So interestingly enough, um, you have you have elicited in me and brought forth references to C.S. Lewis twice in 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 introducing this. So one being. You're welcome. Actually, C.S. Lewis, his whole reason for writing The Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe was exactly that. It wasn't so that he could convince children to believe in God, but rather when they, when they encountered the gospel later, they recognized the patterns of God. It gave them a plausibility structure for God. And really, in essence, that's what you're saying Eno is doing. He's saying that art is to give a plausibility structure for things, to try things on and, and recognize and, and see how it corresponds to reality. And so then as, as I was listening to Reflection, in some sense, I was thinking about the early stages of, of the creation ethic in the line. It's not in the line, which in the wardrobe, but it's the mm, yeah. uh, magician's nephew. Magician's nephew, yeah. Yeah, where, where Aslan is calling forth everything and... I always tried to imagine maybe his is it's described a little bit more melodically than, than, than reflection goes, but in some sense, it was also the background noise that maybe is always going on. Right. So in creativity, there is a background noise of creativity in the world. There's, I was on a walk today and I haven't, I haven't been feeling well. And so um, I just decided I'm not going to listen to anything. I'm not going to, sometimes I practice my Spanish as I walk. Uh, donde esta el baño? Uh, <laughs> and uh, anyway, so anyway, blah, blah, blah. So I'm walking and, and I'm just listening to the hum of insects. Everything is just alive. The, 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 it was almost a Terrence Malick moment, but the, the wind in the trees, the, the chirp birds, and it's not, it's melodic, but it is also at the same time chaotic, but it's creative. And so there's always a backdrop hum of, of creativity and it reflects the creator. So I, I'm probably reading him too much into Eno's Ooh. writing of it, but to me it was like, oh, this is interesting. And so taking it as that amb ambiotic kind of ambience music in the background, I thought it was a pretty cool, it was a pretty cool uh, 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jeez. Yeah. I would. So, so just listening to instrumental music is, is something that maybe 10 years ago would have been like, I, 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 I'm not going to do that. Um, but, but then you realize like, there's, you know, most modern or modern, not most of historical music has all been instrumental really. You know, that's, that's been the core of it. You know, when, you know, Beethoven wasn't writing, lyrics uh he was writing and 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 so for me when i thought of when i started listening to songs I was like how is this making me feel is what i really tried to focus on how is it making me because uh, i think that's what he's trying to draw draw us into something and and so it the music made me it it, it was re, it was relaxing in a sense right but not in the sense of like it would put you to sleep it still i felt it still called me to think about something like to kind of to kind of have to grapple with it a little bit, but it was, it was, but it was like Barrett said, it was kind of there in the background. It was kind of, but it was invigorating in a sense, if that makes sense. It, it, it It's helping the, the brains having to do something with it. And it's, 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 it's slight enough that you have to think, but so, and, and I'll be honest with you, I, I, you know, listening all the way to the outro, I thought the out, how it ended was just fascinating because it, it ends even with a little bit of, you know, it didn't just kind of because it kind of it keeps a fairly you know steady rhythm, uh, you know, and there's some ups and downs. But you know, it it's 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 pretty. You know, I kept uh, there was one point where I was kind of hoping that there was going to be this kind of like crescendo or so, you know, something you know that kind of happened, but it, it didn't. And I'm glad it didn't because it it forced me then to really listen to what this music was trying to say to me at the end, which was you know it's very light, but it it. So I I I like that. I, w- I will say after listening to this more and more, I realized, I don't know if you guys have heard explosions in the sky, a band from my hometown, Midland, Texas. And they, they're all instrumental, uh, you know, band. They, you, 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 they're another band you've certainly heard because they show up in a lot of um, soundtracks for musics, um, but they, but they, they, so they, they're doing some, I think the same way that Brian Eno's working, but they're doing it with drums, bass, guitar, uh, synthesizer, and a little bit more rock, um, and but but when I hear their music, I, I have this automatic. The first time I heard it, I had this automatic. I felt like those guys are from West Texas, aren't they? It felt there was a. It felt like something where I had grown up, and 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 it, it was true. They're, they they went to the same high school I went to, but years after I did. Um, but there's so so I think their music, the the emotions here. So I, I wonder if some if you're someone who grew up with Brian Eno or lived, if you were to hear some of his music, you would go. That sounds like, you know, I don't know where he's from. He's from England or something. But that sounds like, you know, it has. It, so, the, I, so I'm interested in how the music conveys, without words, the sense of emotion, the sense of place, even. Um, and so I think this is genius that what this guy did, what Brian Eno did, is it's, he's obviously, you know, on a different level. But that's that's what I got out of it. Yeah, that's great. I mean when you mentioned the lyrics and instrumental brought Eno actually has a famous quote where he says the problem uh, it's something like the problem with lyrics is that it makes people think that that's what the song is about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the, where you went Barrett with the creation idea as well. Um, and I, I put that note in there. Eno has a, <clears throat> Eno has a quote where he was, he's been interviewed a lot of times about this method and why, what is his motivation behind this particular, because he's done production work and things like that and other solo work that it doesn't sound at all like this stuff. 
but why does he keep coming back to this stuff? And this is where the theology kind of start sparked for me. Mm-hmm. So here, th- so this is what he said. He said the interest behind all of that, and he's talking about this kind of stuff, is this fascination I have with how things come into being, mm-hmm. and the classical view, as he calls it, of how things come into being. And then he describes in his mind what the classical view of really creation is. It's that this very intelligent, very intelligent things create other things. So, you know, classically, God is at the top, and then he inspires people like Newton and Darwin and Einstein and Shakespeare and so on. And through them, the brilliance of the deities sort of spread out to the population. And even people who don't believe in God still kind of have that model in their heads. Mm. I think, Eno says, whereas I, being a Darwinian or neo-Darwinian, think that the most interesting thing about evolution theory is the possibility that complexity arises out of simplicity, not Mm. the other way around. Mm -hmm. I'm always interested in trying that experiment and seeing how something incredibly beautiful and unexpected can be engendered out of simple beginnings. And that where he took me with that was in his mind, he pictures the way that all of us kind of think art and creation really works. And he uses in other interviews I've seen, he uses the example of, you mentioned Beethoven. And he actually, I think, has mentioned Beethoven. And he said the popular concept of Beethoven is that he had symphonies in his mind. Mm-hmm. And the process of writing them was really just getting them out. And in the creation of all things, he references the supreme deity of God going out, and he is the ultimate complexity, and he goes and he builds out simpler, easier versions of things, and those things become the creation. And I I actually... This may be a little crazy, but I actually, in a way, I feel like God's creative act was actually a lot closer to what he says, Eno says, than Mm -hmm. Eno thinks it is. Yeah. the, the, The idea in a creation that God actually created using essentially simple functions, like Eno, Eno would describe his... composition as giving his instruments instructions and then seeing what they produce. Mm -hmm. There is, there has to be in my mind, an element of creation, which is God to some extent creating the, the, the pieces of a life, the pieces of lives Mm -hmm. that then produce something, not that he's surprised by, I'm not doubting his sovereignty, but that in some way he is sort of pleasantly looking back at what he sort of set up and seeing where that goes. Does that make some sense? I I think so. I think there's a a theologian, Miroslav Volf, who wrote a book uh, I cannot remember the name of, but it was based off of Luther's theology and the idea that God is – a well – a giver and a forgiver, but in his essence, but in, in that is this idea that God is a creator, 
And so if we're made in his image, right, then we are a giver, we're givers, we're forgivers, and we are creators. So I think, I, and I, I think there is something into that, that you say, uh, I, I think it's very true because once again, we're not talking about the blind watchmaker, right? We're not talking about a God who's not present right. and involved in things. What we're talking about is a God though, that is so uh, in love with us that he's given us these abilities and this ability to, to walk the earth and experience all these great things and, and love and pain and suffering and joy, but also to create. And I think there's some, there's a strong sense of free of free agency. It sounds like I'm talking about football, so, but free agency that we have in that. I, I, so I think you're right. I think it's very much God's a creator. God loves to create. He's, he's the, the first artist. And so I think he's given that to us too. And so I, I think you're, I think, you know, uh, this I, obviously people are inspired somehow, but I, I think it's more the other way around that we we're picking up things in our life and putting them together and making something and something comes out. And I think uh, to me, it makes, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I think a better theology of creativity, I think. Yeah, I, I think I would agree with all of that. Um, I think the view that it's kind of some inspiration and downloading of a schematic to be produced and present to the world is uh, a little bit simplistic as well as probably uh probably pagan uh would be my best way of of of, of saying it is that is that a few people have tapped into the elite creative you know energy that comes from a pagan god who then we're able to take that and manipulate others with or, or bless the world with would be the sanctified christian way of saying it um whereas maybe god has created us with the capacity to reflect him and reflect his creative process reflect his ability to create it's also communal i don't think that's part of the creative process Somehow the Trinity was involved in creation, so um, the Word and, and, and God and Holy Spirit hovered above the, above the waters. Creative process was communal. Um, I don't think so. While Beethoven created wonderful symphonies, he was also a product of maybe a better. I don't know Beethoven's story, but he was also a product of of bumping against people, and I mean that in a positive way. Of, interacting with other people's music and songs and he wasn't just locked away in his room and coming out with something right and so part of the creative process is is taking a simple idea and then someone else adds on to that and adds on to that and there's a constant refining and, and making of something new uh in a process over and, and over again so um so I think all of that leads itself to a possibility of, you know, a plausibility and a possibility for, for what you're saying. Um, yeah. I mean, I think, I think it reflects the character and nature of God very well. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm fascinated right now with the idea of how pagan our belief of God is uh, and how, mm. how we want to yeah. control God. It ultimately is Job, right? Job's about suffering, but Job's also about, our, our pagan views of, of God and, mm, and, and, point. and Job just, you know, the theology that about God that's in Job is ultimately challenging a pagan view of God. And I think, 
so much of the views in Christian thought um, reduce God to a pagan idol that we can control rather than the bigness of who he is, but also the communal God that he is uh, and, and how those things are formed. So I think any theology of creativity has to has to also include the, the aspect of community. Danny, I have, I have a question for you. What This piece of music, what do you, well, what, what, what do you get out of it? And then what, how do you utilize it? That sounds, I'm not trying to make it like a utilitarian thing, but when do you listen to it? What, uh... Yeah, that, no, that's a good, that's a good question. I, I get out of it. What I get out of it is, so, so Eno actually refers to this kind of music as generative music. Mm-hmm. And he means it in a very practical sense that the music itself, the, the instruments are actually set up to actually generate the music. And he's fascinated by that idea. You know, he he talks about growing up as a kid. You know, he's in his 70s now. Growing up as a kid, um, they had music boxes, those old, like, you mm-hmm. wind it up. And, it, yeah. and he actually refers to a period of time before he was born when that was the way that people actually listened to music. That was mm-hmm. essentially recorded music. Yeah. Be- before that people could only actually hear music by attending a performance mm-hmm. or playing it in their own home. That's how they heard music. And these music boxes were these machines that reproduced a song. And that's what people would listen to. And he would refer to his stuff, this stuff as, um, a, you know, a, a, the latest version of that. So he mm-hmm. calls it generative which is ironically the same word that Mako Fujimura, the Mm -hmm. artist theologian, he uses that word in the context of Christians being involved in art. He calls it generative as well that, Mm -hmm. you know, to your all's point, we're actually, we're actually flexing that muscle that God gave us around creativity to, if we are made in his image and he is the ultimate creator, then we, in some sense, are always creating or should be creating something. And it doesn't have to be art. It could be a ministry or it could be something that's done in a, you know, a business or something like that. But Mako takes that a step further and says that it's actually our lives are living a generative kind of life, mm-hmm. if you will, mm-hmm. that, that we are producing something of value. So I get out of this stuff that, which is what can come out of the simple tools and and experiences that I have, what can be generated from that? And then how I use it is, I like that you said that because uh, oddly enough, uh, Eno himself uh, mentions hospitals in England that have started to play his music, this music in the hospitals and that they're seeing this positive effect on health. Mm -hmm. Uh, because like you said, it's calming and yet it's not something that just, it's not elevator music. Like it's something in between that, right? It's not totally ignorable, but it's something that keeps the brain kind of moving, but you don't, you're not, 
it, you could spend an hour listening to it, but only really paying attention to it for 10 minutes. Yeah. Right. A minute here, a minute there. Yeah. Um, so it actually has this, it, it apparently has this medicinal effect mm. on people. And so I use it like that. I'll listen to it when, like, I can't listen to music that has lyrics when I'm reading something. Yeah, yeah I can't either. Yep. Right. Because it distracts me. And most of the time, if I'm on an airplane or something, um, I'm reading, uh, I might be reading something. And I can't listen to music that has lyrics. And I also can't listen to music that is complicated instrumental music because that also kind of distracts me and I'm wanting to yeah. pay attention to what's going on. Um, but I can't listen to uh, elevator music or something like incredibly uh, slow because that'll put me to sleep. So this thing is kind of uh, is kind of in the middle of those things yeah. is the only yeah. way I can describe it. I think you described it really well, Garrick, and you're and you're listening to it. You know, you kind of came in and out. You experienced it. You kind of forgot about it as it was still playing, and then you kind of yeah. came back. You know, yeah, that's how I that's how I experience it. So, so in a lot of, I mean, a lot of ways, what we're we're talking. I mean, even he's saying is that that music and art. So because you know, like this is just something I you always wonder. Like when you go to the office building, or it, there's art on the wall and depending on the kind of um who's who's who owns that what building or who what you know if it's uh you know some incredible bank uh the art on the wall is is um is can be quite expensive it can be you know pretty pretty nice uh you know but, but in some sense Brian Eno is saying what we need in our lives is beauty you know in different different forms and different, we need art we need creativity in different forms throughout our day and our life uh something i've learned about it in spain too where every where everywhere you go and you look even the sidewalk is designed there's there's you know intentionality to create beauty uh um so uh, yeah i think that that's a, that's that's interesting i mean it's, it's very cool too yeah sorry i didn't have myself unmuted fellas uh Hey, let's uh, let, let's let's cut it there since we gotta we gotta be done by three thirty. Uh, okay, and we'll just we'll just okay. pick up the other one in another time. But let's do. Would do you think we should divide those up into two? Two. Yeah. Uh, two, I think they're about twenty five minutes each, so that's kind of a nice little chunk. Yeah, I kind I kind of like it. I, I mean, but I, what do you think, Danny? I mean, the you mean the uh, well, there's three, right? Yeah, 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 but but I mean, as far as we only have about 12, 10 minutes left, so I don't think I could hit all yeah. three. Yeah, and we want to give your ten minutes. Plus, we yeah, want to yeah, give yeah. yours. So we'll just yours. record it in a different day. But but as far as do one part one for Garrick's song, part two for yours, and then we'll come back and do a part three another. Day. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll I see what you're those. saying. We'll release those as, as three different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that works for me. Yeah. Whatever, whatever you guys think. You guys are the professionals. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, number number four podcast, religious podcast in Croatia. In Croatia. <laughs> a year ago. Yeah, I'm going on tour this summer, taking a family vacation there. In Croatia. Uh, hey, I've already gotten I've already gotten two uh you know, two responses to rabbit tunes. Oh wow. One That's is awesome. One is from DE. 
so that's kind of a, a built-in listener yeah. that we have. Uh, and the other one, yeah, was my elder, one of the elders at our uh-huh. at our church. Because I think I've turned on, I don't know, 20 different people to rabbit trails, just or people that I'm connected to. And uh, so the 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 um, the genius of introducing this in the stream of rabbit trails uh, at least got the the uh, the rabbit trails nation interested. <laughs> all, all 30 of them. And they're all they're all people that Danny got interested for us. And don't, <laughs> not to mention not to mention the 25 or so who listen in Croatia. Yeah, so, I don't know a single person. <laughs> Well, good stuff. Uh, okay. Um, I'll just record over a, a, an outro and, uh, uh-huh. you know, just say, Hey, catch us for, for part, part three or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. That sounds good. I, and, hey, did you guys, but did that feel good? I, that that's, yeah, I was, that was cool. That was fun. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah that was for sure. Yeah. For sure. It was a lot of fun actually. And I think it, I, I kind of like the, I don't know for me so much of it, so much i don't know about you garrick but so much of what we're trying to do in rabbit trails is i I think we just stepped into that but but it feels like to me of trying to trying to demystify like being a christian right and Mm -hmm. helping people kind of think about just be normal and engage with the world <laughs> around you and, and yeah. you, you can, you can actually make an impact in people's lives. And so yeah. I think by virtue of even talking about these things helps Christians think um, and engage with the world in a different way. Hopefully, hopefully most of the people are already engaging the world in this way, but hopefully makes them, you know, not go ooh Harry Potter, you know, like, I don't know. Yeah. Um, right. Just reactionary. I, uh, to yeah. me, the thing I love about rabbit trails is that you guys, to some extent, like this, just felt th- this conversation with the music and art just felt like you guys can't talk about every topic on rabbit trails, but you touched enough on this that there's a, there's a theme there. And the thing that I'm excited about is finding finding God in areas yeah. that people generally are not looking yeah. for. They're looking for him in specific places, right. but I, I can find him even in an ambient song yeah. written by an atheist. Yeah. Right. I can still find God in that. And that's yeah. encouraging to me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's common grace, you know, cause if God's poured out his love and mercy on all people, even those who don't believe him, but there's, there's still, there's this ability to redeem all things, right? Even, and, and I think, I think it's interesting because artists, songwriters, uh, you know, directors, they're looking for something. I mean, they're all, they're, they're looking to create something, but they're looking to create meaning. And so I think that, you know, yeah, for the most part, maybe not everybody, but, um, well, but, but I love Yancey calls it rumors of another world. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, that's, that's, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a good way to put it. Which is which is where I think the Christian living in a postmodern, you know, secular context has to spend most of their time with people they want to tell, you know, speak about Jesus to. Um, yeah, is you've got to be able to help them see, hey, these things that you're doing in your life are are pointing towards the 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 other world that it does it indeed exist. 
um, and the truth of this world that you're engaging with rather than trying to take them out of it and saying everything about the world in which you think is wrong, um, you know, trying to red pill them. I, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that that's exactly the best way forward either. Um, yeah. You know, that's not, that's the Gnostic kind of heresy, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 I think so. I think so. It's interesting to me how much, how much I was, you know, a few weeks back we were in Greece and we were in Corinth on, on, um, on, uh, on Easter Sunday and standing there thinking about, and we, the day, the day before that we were in Athens and standing on Mars Hill and thinking about how Paul addressed and how astute he was in the points at which he started. Right. And they laughed him off of the Hill. They didn't, they didn't give him much of an audience. Uh, but, but the reality of he, he knew his audience, right. He knew how to speak to them. And mm -hmm. We always talk about that in Christian cultures, but yet or Christian context, but yet we don't really embrace it as a as a way of living. Yeah. And in recognizing that, hey, yes, there are a lot of really bad things in this world, but there's also common grace that that we can point to and say, hey, let's celebrate these parts. And I think when we experience these parts, it points us to the God who is, rather than, um, you know, something pagan. So. Yeah. And with that, Amen. we will we will uh, pause for for part uh, part three of uh, of this uh, particular uh, only Swedish is coming to my mind, guys. In such podcast uh, podcast, yeah, there you go. And uh, we'll we'll talk about we'll pick it up with Marcus Mumford in a trilogy of songs, which is brutal but beautiful all at the same time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Fellas, it's been good talking sure. to you, and uh, we'll catch you here. on the next episode of Rabbit Wind Camino. Buen Camino, amigos. <laughs>